Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing well. In my dance, I tried to have a little Latin flavor. We'll know why in, in a minute, but I tried. I think I failed, though. Yeah, it was more of a, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't quite there. Uh, you, you are no Charo, my friend. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. My Gucci Gucci was not working today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird because we get to do this every single week. Next week, we don't get to do this. Instead, we get to eat turkey. That's yes, like, it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful know, Thanksgiving thing. Thanksgiving is a good reason not to, you know, do the uh, do the show. We, I mean, we would probably want to do it anyway, but exactly. I think the family wants us around and uh, hanging out. I got to ask you, what are the turkey plans? I have a, a pretty, pretty oh, good idea yeah. what you're going to do you, with you, it, but I'm doing, I just want to I mean, make come sure. Come on. Yeah. We're going, I'm going 100% outdoor this year. The so I've got meal? the turkey and the whole meal. The whole meal. Whole meal, okay. everything. Okay, so like tell me, tell from me about like, this. okay. So I'm gonna do uh, twice baked in the Traeger, twice baked uh, baked potatoes. Right. I've got the uh, the turkey going in there. Uh, let's see. We've got the stuffing on the little side thing, and the you know uh, on the Weber, which is is going to be great. Uh, let's see. What else do I got? I mean, I, everything like corn going on the Weber. Corn is going, yeah. Well, because it's going to go on the little side there, and I've thought I've actually saw. Where you could actually put this in the in the smoker and sort of bake it, yeah. But I'm not going to have enough room. I'm 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 out of room. The turkey's <laughs> in the smoker, too big. So I'm just doing it in a pot next to the you know on the. Oh, on the so is side. it is it a burner that you're doing it? Yeah. On? yeah oh, yeah, okay. A side okay. burner thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything is going outside. I am doing a hundred percent of the meal outside. I've never done that before. I've always wanted to, but uh, rain or shine, it's happening. I'm That's what it. I was going to say. I haven't looked at the forecast yet for next week, but is, <laughs> I mean, are we good here? Or are you- We're good. No matter. The forecast doesn't matter. It's happening. I've, I have been planning for this since, I don't know, at least October. No, no. I don't know. August, <laughs> July. I've wanted to do this since I, I got the new, like the new cool Weber thing. And then, you know, the thing is, it's all, you know, I, yeah, I told you, I mean, I, I got all geeky on it. Like I can monitor those things from my office here and, they're all, you know, hooked into my internet and all that stuff. So I can turn up the temperature, turn down the temperature. I don't have to sit out there in the rain while, while everything's cooking. So I'm going to be fine. So and it's going to be different fantastic. Things, how many different types of food can you cook inside one smoker? You know what? In two weeks, I will answer that. <laughs> <laughs> how many are you going to try? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I know for sure the potatoes and I know for sure the turkey. I got to plan the rest out. I've got to, I've got to dig in and see like what else is going to go into the smoker. I've got some room in there, but not a whole lot uh, because the kids love the potatoes. So I'm going to have to do a whole. I'm a little sad that you've been thinking about this since August and we're one week out and you have not figured this out yet. (laughs) Oh no, no, don't worry. This will all be like hundred percent planned out by, uh, by Turkey day. I'll be, I'll be all good. The Wednesday before is when I kind of pull everything together. Okay. So you, you got to pull this all, off. All Otherwise I, maybe I'm going to start questioning you as my business partner, because can you make good decisions? <laughs> I'm going to question you if you don't pull this off, oh, your credibility no. could yeah. be going down. It, it, exactly. Well, you know what? Uh, it, good show for you to do that. I, <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. That. Yeah. Yeah, what happens when when that when that whole partnership goes awry, right? Like, what happens when you've got this co-founder that you've been working with for years, or 
And it just all goes wrong. It's just, it's like a, like it's, it's like a marriage, right? Like the, 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 the marriage, like you, you see these signs and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh no. Well, I'm sure marriages are broken up because somebody messed up the Thanksgiving meal, right? That that that, was probably caused a major (laughs) argument. (laughs) No, believe it or not. I've got to get this thing right. (laughs) right. We have help. We have help. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a marriage counselor, but we have. You're, I'm going to call you a business counselor today. Uh, Charles Fry is joining us. First of all, Charles, welcome. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm 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 thinking about Thanksgiving, though. I'm wondering what's going to hit the table in our house because my wife's uh, from Central America. So, oh, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving's a real mashup for us. You got to watch the jalapeno content sometimes on the cranberry stuffing. But uh, oh, that could be great, though. Well, that's why I was going be. Latin American with my oh, dancing man. because you're actually I, not I, in America I, right now. I'm not in America. I'm in Honduras. Uh, I'm in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, right now, where we have uh, one of our development centers. But uh, yeah, I'll be back uh, in Austin, Texas, for Thanksgiving. And by the way, if you've got a smoker and you're showing up in Texas, that's like throwdown territory there because oh, yeah. it's all about, you know, brisket and barbecue uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. So uh-huh. this show could just end up being all about food, which might be the best thing to do before Thanksgiving. But I would totally uh, be fine with that. Yeah. No, I did. I did a whole food tour of Texas. I, I went, I did the whole triangle, right? So I oh, yeah. ate, ate tacos in Dallas and barbecue in Austin and Mexican food and, uh, or the Tex-Mex in uh, 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 San Antonio. And then I don't know, just everything. I think that's in, really uh, where you got your bug. crazy. I think it really it, was. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you were kind of yeah. into it before, but once you did that Texas trip, you came back and you're going, Greg, <sighs> it's on. I'm getting all the equipment. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do this right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that doesn't necessarily fall into my area of expertise, but um, I appreciate you bringing up the issue of founders or co-founders gone bad or business partners, whatever they're called. I wouldn't say that that's a full-time occupation, but I've been an entrepreneur for about 30 years now. And at Code Exitos, we work with entrepreneurs. So uh, companies come to us and we help them build their product and, you know, build and launch whatever product, digital product they're making. And in the process of that, we get pretty deeply involved in, or at least I do, uh, not our team, of course, because they've got other uh, goals to meet, but a lot of times I spend time with founders and uh, yeah, the relationship they have with their fellow founders can get pretty fraught. I mean, it's being, you guys know this, being an entrepreneur is tough enough, but then balancing that with a relationship uh, can get really tricky. And Russ, you know, the the analogy to a marriage isn't far off in my experience. Oh, yeah. It's got a, you know, yeah. it's got a lot of the same uh, kind of emotional overhang to it. And mm-hmm. uh, well, a yeah, lot of business it, partners spend more time together than they do with their spouses. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, a whole other episode that I would not be qualified for, but I've met some husband and wife teams that are also very successful entrepreneurs. And I have no idea how they do that. I and like <laughs> yeah. zero concept or <laughs> credibility in my book, uh, my book of uh, things achieved, but. Well, yeah, I have a really question for you on that, uh, yeah. Charles. Yeah. So when you see that relationship 
are they more successful on the business side or more successful on the marriage side? Or do you think that dynamic adds an, a, another level of stress that would cause potentially more problems being partners with your spouse? Uh, wow. It's a lot to I'm that probably, one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, look, I only have anecdotal evidence of people that I've, I've met known over the years. And I think it, since you've asked me the question, I, I'm obliged to answer. And I think my answer is going to be, I think they're probably just really good at relationship management to begin with. And they found their doppelganger or their soulmate or whatever you want to call it. And so when I'm thinking about the one or two people, one or two couples I have in mind as references, they just flowed pretty naturally from a conversation about the kids to a conversation about college selections to a conversation about whether they should, you know, take their company public. It, it, mm. it was like all the same vibe for them. And uh, so I think it was more like they just, they were just really good at getting through that kind of communication, but it wouldn't be my style. Yeah, that would be, it would be rough. I, I mean, I, I, so I had a, a, a really small company that I, I worked with uh, my wife on for a bit. Everything went smooth. Everything was cool. Yeah. Um, but um, I was afraid. <laughs> you know, like I think yeah. we both were of like, is this going to cause, you know, issues between us by us running this company together? Cause we don't want that. Like we don't want these, these issues. Okay. Now I'm saying that like, you know, let's take out the marriage thing here and just talk mm -hmm. about like, you know, okay, Greg and I starting a business together, right? Yeah. Like we, we think we like, I, I think he likes me. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure, but I love you. Um, it's not even uh, like, I love you. I love Russ. it. I love it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's like, we've got a, a good partnership here. Um, mm -hmm. But like in that beginning stages, when you're, when you're starting this, like, are you sort of looking for the same stuff? Like when you're looking for, for, for a spouse, I guess, <laughs> you know, like how do you know who to pick to, to found a company with? Well, that's a great question. And, and I think the root of some evil, uh, so to speak, because there, maybe I'm just noticing it, but there's been a fad lately in early stage companies that someone will have an idea and they want to build this company and they'll get advice from someone. And the advice is usually like, you need to find a co-founder. And I'm like, well, <laughs> who the hell gives that for advice? I mean, like, why would you tell somebody to do that? Um, and I've talked to several entrepreneurs who are actually, they're usually very young you know, they're in their twenties. Um, so they don't have a lot of life business experience to begin with. And they're like, yeah, uh, they'll be telling me about their company. And they're like, yeah, I just need to, I just need to find my co-founder CTO. And I'm like, why do you need a co-founder CTO? Well, I need somebody to handle all the technology decisions and, and I'm not a good technologist. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that. So you need a CTO. I get that. But why do they have to be a co-founder? Why don't you just hire them? Right. I'm like, well, I don't know. Some mentor told me they should be a co-founder. Huh. I'm like, well, get rid of the mentor. I mean, like, why? What's? The, I don't get the problem. I mean, I, I, I get, and and I give that advice because, like, the fact that you guys work together and you work it out and you've got this chemistry and dynamic, 
you don't, I don't think you just go shop for that on LinkedIn or something and find somebody. Right. And, and we're, I'm seeing a lot of even universities giving their entrepreneurial students this, what I think is really bum advice and saying, oh, you should have a co-founder. And uh, I don't, I don't think that works. It hasn't worked for me and it hasn't worked for a bunch of people I have. And then the worst thing they do is they go, oh, let's go 50-50. Right. Okay. Now, now we've got a real mess because no, no decisions are going to get made. Bingo. A hundred percent, Greg. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then you have to fight it out. Sorry. Go ahead. I, you were. Well, I, I was just. I, I'm. I'm baffled by that advice too. And and but colleges are doing it. Whatever consultants are doing it. Mentors are doing it. Or, or advising this. And I'm the only thing I can come up with is that. Maybe it would be helpful for somebody that is just as vested as you are that would complement some of your weaknesses. And that's why you would want a co-founder versus just hiring a CTO or hiring, you know, whoever that person is versus partnering with them. That's the only thing I can think of because I agree with you. I don't think that's, you know, the best advice in the world. Yeah. Well, I like I like what you're th- I like where you're headed with the idea of balancing out skill sets. I think that's important. And when I, when I build my executive team, I'm looking at skill sets, emotional skill sets, as well as technical skill sets. And I, I want some kind of uh, creative tension and balance and dynamic. I mean, I don't want everybody, uh, we don't want clones, right? If you, if you get yes men, then I think that's a, right. a problem. Um, but the notion of a co-founder versus let's say a CTO that you give eight or 10% equity to as part of their compensation plan, that to me is co-founder is on another level from an equity holder executive that's, that's paid to be an executive. So I don't, I'm with you. I don't quite get the logic behind the people are advising. You should have a co-founder, um, and so I start there with advice when, when entrepreneurs come to me and they say, Hey, what do you think? Uh, you know, should I have a co-founder? And I'm like, do you feel like you need one? And if the answer is like, uh, well, somebody smart said I should have one. I said, well, they're not smart enough, you know, if, now, but, but some right. people I've met some other people who say, yeah, you know, I really feel like I want to find that partner and I'm willing to make them a co-founder then yeah, go for it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you make that decision, then the next decision becomes somebody has to be first amongst equals because Greg, you nailed it. You know, otherwise you don't get decisions uh, easily. And when you do get a 50-50 decision and it's not your decision, then there's kind of this baggage that goes along with it. And it's like, well, I don't know. It's I've seen nothing but the seeds of discontent sown that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm wondering about the the person that's like kind of in the minority there, like the that doesn't have the fifty percent, the person that has the thirty percent, forty percent, or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're a co-founder, but they maybe don't you know wield the power of the other person. So the other person's making all the decisions, and that could lead to some problems as well. So would anybody even? want to be in that position. I'm going to ask you that question now, but I'm going to give you a second to think about it here as we take a short break. Thank you for listening to DIY for Business. A great way to spend your last week before Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business. You know, it's Thanksgiving coming up. We'd be thankful for some reviews, uh, <laughs> some additional five-star reviews. That, that would be a great way to, to thank us. Think of it as like a tip. Maybe that's... that's we would know. not be thankful for one-star <laughs> reviews. So. Yeah, exactly. Give us a five. Yeah, that's that's so like Fourth of July or something. That's like that's, that's another holiday. Like not not for Thanksgiving. You got to do the five stars. All right. So I I posed a question and then I went to break. I gave you plenty of time to think about it here that's while right. uh, we we listened to uh, other uh, other uh, people talking there. Probably Black Friday deals or something. I don't know what's what's running at this point. Yeah. But um, let's get into that. So why would you ever want to be like in the, the minority on that? Like where you're the 40% holder or the 49% holder, like what benefit would you have? Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Another, another myth I think that was cultivated in the Silicon Valley days of, you know, the first dot com rush where stock options were everything and people were giving out stock options. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they make sense if their trajectory of the business is for some sort of equity exit. So um, if you get into a situation where you're a venture capital backed company, there's some exit sort of anticipated when the money comes in because venture capital guys don't get in if they don't have a plan for getting out. So if you know that you're going to have an exit, equity makes sense and it's less about having control with your 30%, let's say, and it's more about just monetizing that 30% when the exit happens. But you're 100% correct in thinking that, well, if I have a 30% control, if, if Russ, Greg, and Carlos start a company and we have 25%, 25%, and 50%, whoever has 50%, really owns and operates the company because those decisions will all get made by that person. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no, the whole co-founder thing sort of whistles out the window uh, right along with it. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good point. And a lot of, you know, privately held small businesses that are going to stay privately held, that, that leads to arguments and problems as well, because a guy with 25% says, look, I, you never listen to my advice and I own 25% of this company. And one of my first business mentors, he asked me a question. He said, I'll ask Greg this question. <laughs> so do you know what 49% of a company, of a privately held company is worth? Oh, I'm going to say 49% of what it gets sold for. Or on a day-to-day <laughs> basis, nothing. Okay. <laughs> because... If I, if I write you in at 49%, I'm going to restrict your ability to sell it. You can't just go sell it to Russ without my permission. You can only sell it to me. I set the price. I'm going to tie it up. And so you've got 49% and nothing. So um, if you have that, oh, crap moment a year or two years or five years into being a partner or what you think is a partner in a company, now, all of a sudden, you you probably are a key man or a key woman in the business because you've contributed mightily, but that discontent kind of grows. And eventually you say, hey, I know I want out or I'm getting out or you become passive aggressive or I've seen, you know, I've seen just lots of tough behavior and it's all actually understandable. I don't I, personally, I'm a believer that people are generally good actors. Uh, I'm a guy of abundance, but um yeah, it's a. It all starts in the early, like those seeds are planted early on with misunderstandings about 
what your 49% entitles you to. And I think that's where I want to go with this because the healthy relationships, the healthy partnerships that I've seen, there is that groundwork at the very beginning of the relationship. It, it's, it's, it's in contract, right? It's in the agreement between the founders, between the partners, but it's also said as these are the ways that we're going to, this is the process that we're going to go through to make big decisions. You know, if mm-hmm. one partner is ahead of the tech department, one partner is operations, one partner is finance. Okay, you can you're gonna head up those decisions, but when it comes to global decisions for the company, this is how it's gonna be made because one person owns a bigger percentage. I think it's healthy that you have those different voices that are respected, but it's mm-hmm. also you know, in the foundation of the contract and the initial partnership of how the future is going to be, how decisions are going to be made in the future and depending on the types of decisions. And I think those work. And when it doesn't work is when those decisions were made and it changes. And I think that is really where a lot of partnerships fail down the road is because it started fine. But then whatever, something traumatic happened, you know, something happened in the business and those roles changed. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, wait a second here. This isn't the way we decided to do this when we when we <laughs> started this company. What way? Why are you doing this now? Why are you giving me a hard time about making this decision? Why are you taking this responsibility away from me? And those are the types of things that get in the way of these healthy partnerships that start off good. Well, you're right. And a key piece in there is you have to cultivate that all the way, all the every day is a, is a, you guys probably do this in innately in your partnership. You, you take time to reinforce and cultivate that relationship slowly and surely. Um, but I, I think you're spot on for, for getting it defined and spelled out early, but then you have to weed and water the garden as you go. Um, yeah, I think sometimes yeah. for whatever reason, respect gets, I don't know, people start losing respect for somebody or, you know, for whatever reason, bad decisions were made and like, oh, we're not going to let you make those decisions again because you really messed yeah. up one. Right? Hey, we're all human. We we should learn how to deal with those. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people hold grudges and it just blows up. Yeah, there's. You reminded me of something though that I've seen happen before. That happens outside of the business relationship, where we're all human and we have lives outside of our business. So I've seen people who, you know, their marriage becomes really a problem and a big distraction, or they have a child or a parent or someone who becomes very sick, and their attention is divided away from the business that they they have some personal problem in their own life that has nothing to do with the business, but they're suddenly not able to carry the load. And, and the business partners have to say, hey, man, we can, we can give you some slack, but it can't be forever and infinite. And, and you know, the other person's saying, look, I, you know, I'm caring for my mom and she's, she's dying. I, I, I can't come back, but I don't want out. And so there are all these external forces that I've seen come into play as well. And, 
And those are just impossible. By definition, they're impossible to predict, right? So, uh, yeah, you get into a lot of uh, a lot of situations that go beyond kind of the obvious malfeasance or the guy turns out to be a jerk or, you know, <laughs> what, what, whatever. But those happen too. Yeah. When you see these problems, like how do – I mean, what's your advice generally? Like, I know it's going to be different on every situation, but general, like, what are you, what are you telling these guys that are in this situation? Well, if they're asking advice, uh, and they're usually not, um, <laughs> but they should, uh, but they should. And there are professionals that practice in this area. I'm not one of them, uh, but there are essentially marriage counselors for business partners. Um, and, um, my advice is usually along the lines of Russell, just like, Hey, skinny the problem down and solve it and get it behind you because the business is throwing enough curveballs at you yeah. that you, you can't have this running firefight. Uh, it, it's super toxic if you have lots of employees and you know, the, the boss always thinks, or the CEO or the executives always think they're Oh, we're keeping this away from everyone. It's like, no, everybody in the company knows. Like, <laughs> you are see. the soap opera. Uh-huh. Stop it. Right. <laughs> um, so, I th- that's my general advice is just like figure out how to put a pin in it and just get it over with. That means somebody's got to get bought out or whatever. Right. Right. Some something has to happen there. Okay. You I'm gonna, Greg. Before you ask that, I see you ready for another question here. Before you do that, we got to take a short break here. So, when we come back, well, I'll let you think about this right now. But when we come back, you'll, I'll let you ask a question. So, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. I don't want to mess up our partnership. I'm still so I'm thinking sorry about turning. <laughs> That's what you were gonna say. <laughs> we'll be back with more DIY right after this. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the best business network and Electricast Media. You can go to electricast.com, check out all the various podcasts. There's business podcasts on there. There's all kinds of stuff on there for you to go peruse as you're looking at electricast.com. Please do go uh, check that out. Maybe you could find something to listen to next week. You know, I mean, there's there's the time off next week, probably, right? Like throw on some podcasts and there you go. We, or you can just listen long, to them. We got a big library of shows. That, you know, exactly. There's like 70 of ours or so that you can yeah. work through uh, during the week there. That would, that would be a, that would be a fun vacation for you. <laughs> Especially those early ones. <laughs> oh, the, the skip skip episodes, the first few. <laughs> the, the, the ones we don't speak of. Those, those, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Those never happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we went to break, we were talking about the employees and <laughs> this one's kind of a weird question with partners, but. I tend to think, and this is usually the case in businesses that I've consulted for in the past, that one partner is more liked by the employees than the other. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes feelings get hurt because of that. And Mm -hmm. one partner's going, well, you know, how come everybody likes you? And then all of a sudden that partner's making life difficult for the employees. And then the other <laughs> partner is like, hey, what are you doing? Anyway, it, it's, that's just one scenario. But I'm curious about like what's both of your advice when the two partners just don't see eye to eye in the corporate culture and the way they treat employees? Because I've seen that a lot. 
like one yeah. one 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 partner could totally. be just very like oh just by the book we got to run numbers together and the, the other the other partner is very you know relationship building you know right. that type of thing and they just see the dynamic well, of the business differently so russ the first guy is the cfo the second guy is a salesman so what uh what's your <laughs> advice for those two guys <laughs> right exactly well that's the thing it's like i mean they probably got together and they probably it probably worked out well in the beginning because they had those different personality traits right so oh I don't have the ability to build the relationships. I have the ability to, I don't know. I'm, I'm well, now making the CFO. And the other thing in the beginning, they don't have a lot of employees. They don't have right, this right. huge time. If you grow and you scale and all of a sudden you're, yeah. you're 50 employees, 100 employees, 500 yeah, employees, yeah. things change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a rough one. I mean, I was actually, when I sold a business, I was very concerned about, um, you know, <laughs> It's almost like stay, stay together for the kids, right? We're getting back to marriage things, but like, yeah. should I keep this business just because I really like the team and I don't want to, you know, mess them up? Like, I, I don't want to, you know, I want everything to go smooth. But fortunately, I sold it to a great person that was able to keep everybody and actually, you know, did a did a fantastic, probably even better than me. But you know, like I, I was happy about that. But yeah, that that it's a rough one. It's a rough situation. I'm putting myself into into both sides of this of the the person that doesn't have those relationships and I can see where it's like oh, I'm, I'm a little jealous of this whole thing and then the other side of it where it's like uh well hey you're lucky you have me because <laughs> these people would be gone without me so I, yeah. I don't know I don't know my my reaction to that is it it's probably pretty dependent on the scale of the company so you mm. you mentioned you know 50 people 100 people 500 people at some point, my experience has usually been uh, there's around 100 to 200 people. Uh, the employees don't care who the founders or the owners are anymore because they're coming to a company and they're taking a job and they're doing it. And Like I, I literally, I just, before I joined you guys, I, I walked out of a, a quarterly company meeting uh, for our company. There were 100, 125 people there and you know, most of them aren't going to see me again for another quarter and, and that's okay. You know, they're much more in tune with who their manager is or who their exec is that's supervising their area. Uh, but the, the zone you're talking about, Greg, is, is real. And I think it happens in companies where you're somewhere between, you know, three, if we're talking about two hypothetical co-founders, you know, it starts with the first employee that's not a founder. Yeah up until, you know, 25, 50 kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough dynamic. Uh, I can't say that I've seen it though, as much as it sounds like you have. So yeah. you might have more experience well, than maybe I do. Because I do deal with so many businesses that are kind of in that employee of, uh, you know, under a hundred employees. Uh, the majority of the companies that I work with are, are less than a hundred. And when I do see partners, um, it's that's gotten in the way because you know that one partner is really good and really in touch with the team and the other partners you know th that's just not a priority for them um but what i found works really well is when the person when when the one partner that's more let's just call it analytical and, and less people oriented really uh, encourages the other partner to carry that load for the team and, and yeah. carry that load as the leadership. Like we do care, 
right? And one person's more the voice and the face of the company, you know, to the employees, and one's more behind the scenes. And they both, you know, they both lean into their roles. And when that happens, it's successful. It's when they can't lean in and one tries to be something they're not <laughs> then and you know it, employees see that it, you know they figure that out mm -hmm. they, they're not going to fall for that and that's when yeah. you know certain things kind of go sideways yeah yeah for sure i'm as i'm listening to you i'm thinking of the uh um what was that what was that television series it was wildly popular it was set in the 60s and 70s madison avenue the ad agency Mad Men. oh right Mad Men. Mad Men. There we go. Yes. Yeah, like that, that series was a, was like a, Amazing. a running documentary of like weird mm -hmm. partner behavior. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And totally. I'm not sure it was really dramatized. I think it, it was real. I think the whole right. reality TV <laughs> just with actors. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, pulled recordings from old, old places. Uh, yeah. It's I, amazing I, how, I how much people right. smoked. Back in the office, back in the day. <laughs> that was the and one drank. that blew me away. It's like, and smoke and drank. And dr and drink, yeah. yeah. They had the bar carts in the office, and it's like eleven o'clock in the morning, and it's like let's pour, let's have a couple drinks and a cigarette right. or five. <laughs> I, I still remember going to my dad's office when I was, uh, you know, this is back in the seventies, and same thing. They, they were smoking up a storm. They had yeah, they had the drinks going, and I'm like, okay, this is what the, this is what this is just wow. like. Look, you wow. guys, you you media guys might get to Vegas more than I do. I'm not much of a Vegas fan, but I was out there to, <laughs> to meet with a client not long ago, and I was walking through the casino, and all these people were smoking in the casinos, and I'm yeah, it right. Was, it was weird. I'm yeah. like, is this what is this guy? The first guy, I thought, man, this dude's just going rogue. He must have won a bunch of money. He doesn't care. And I saw these guys with big cigars. They're smoking mm -hmm. stuff, and I asked somebody, and they're like, yeah, you can smoke in here. It's like. Sin City. What's it yeah, What's totally. it like in Honduras? Uh, you don't see much smoking. Um, no, you know that, that's like rolling up money and burning it. So, um, <laughs> you know, the economy, the economy here doesn't afford a lot of people that uh, sort of luxury. Gotcha. So, not a lot of it. Yeah, uh, you, you did nail it. We we do love Vegas. Uh, I think we've both we both do love Vegas <laughs> a little too much this year. Not for the smoking, <laughs> but we do love Vegas. Not for the smoking. I, that part annoys me as well about Vegas. That's my least least favorite part uh, of Vegas. Yeah, but 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 getting you know getting back to the topic at hand, I think the key for I think what listening to you guys and talking about it with you guys has been a lot of fun because you've, you've helped me understand a little more of the contours of the, the problem. The real key here is get it as right as you can at the beginning, have these conversations, have the tough conversations before it's a shooting conversation, right? Like right. talk through what's going to happen. Don't shy away from the fact that, Hey, who's going to be, the good friendly guy who's going to be the mom, who's going to be the dad. Right. Cause here's, it's like, Hey dad, mom said, you know, you go, you go ask yeah, your mom, yeah. Hey, can I go out with my friends to the movies? I go see what your dad says. Yeah. If you're smart, mm -hmm. you go to dad, you say, Hey, mom said, she doesn't care if I go to the movies. She just want me to check with you. <laughs> right. I can tell until until after a teenager you were Charles. I can see it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But payback is hell. So my kids got even, <laughs> I, th I think grandma, you know, paid them off, but oh, yeah. uh, you know, you get that dynamic in partnerships. And so I think you do, I think you do have to talk about that up front and uh, 
build on the relationship. So you guys, you yeah. guys have helped, uh, helped me think of through a little more. In some ways, it's kind of like setting up like a prenup, you know, like you're setting up like as if you're, you're, you know, it's not that you're planning it to fail, but if it does, like you get everything set up, you get everything documented, you get everything there. And again, we're making the, the marriage analogy here. Well, you mentioned, well, I you don't mentioned think, I don't think you can duck it though. No, go, mm-hmm. go ahead, Charles. Sorry. No, I was just saying, I, I, you know, Russ, it's, it's easy, especially when we're having fun and just, it's carrying on a conversation about it. It's easy to kind of overplay the marriage relationship, but I think the dynamics are very, very similar yeah. and very, very real. So. Yeah. Uh, Greg, you were you were going to ask about, or you had a comment about a buyout. Well, yeah, earlier in the show, we were talking about, hey, you know, if, if things aren't going right, you know, just one one partner buy out the other partner. I think that uh, would be the easy way out. Yeah. If that one partner wanted to be bought out, the problem is when they don't want to be bought out, they're like, hey, right. this is my company too. I, you know, I'm not giving this up. This is my this is my retirement. I want to I want to milk this and then work here. I'm passionate about this for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I don't want to just get bought out and start over again. And so I, I, I see those situations as well. And that can get really ugly. Yeah, it's even more toxic or, or, or yes, but, and more toxic in the tech space because our industry, the tech industry, it, like we're pre-wired to believe that you're going to be the next unicorn. So if, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys arguing over a company that's it's dead and done and not worthless, put a fork in it, throw it back on the grill, it ain't going nowhere. But the guy that needs to get bought out, he's dead certain that this thing's going to be worth a billion dollars in five years. And he's not going to be the guy that took a 50K payout right. and missed a you know $500 million windfall. And there's no logic I've ever seen that, that, that gets past that. And sometimes it destroys the company. It's, it's like, okay, you're going to get lapped anyhow because while you guys are sitting there you know, bickering over a bone with no meat on it, your competitors are going to come in and whiz by you and they're going to take the brass ring and you guys are still going to be arguing about who gets the big chair versus who gets the full chair. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I if being sort of close to that stuff, I, I, yeah, there, you see a lot of that and especially the, the, the tech world. Uh, here in Silicon Valley, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of wars going on down there. Um, and a lot of times they're over nothing, right? It's yeah. over unrealized gains that'll probably never be realized. And so totally, you know, it's, it's a lot of negative karma for nothing really. Yeah. I remember going to one of those little, we work type of, uh, you know, office rental, you know, for the day type of thing. And they have the meeting rooms and all this stuff. Yeah. And I went in there. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll go. I'll go work from here for the day. And you pay like ten bucks or something, and you get the Wi-Fi, and you're hanging out, and get some coffee. I'm sitting there. I remember seeing like, you know, because they had the glass um, uh, conference rooms that people were renting out, and all of them were rented out. It was a bustling place. It was great. Uh, happy people, happy people, happy people. And then this one conference room, like just yelling at each other. Like everybody was upset. It was like wow, this is like, there's some tension going on in there. And, and yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of that down there. 
I was, I was probably a five-person company that had a chief executive officer, a chief financial right. officer, a chief revenue officer, a chief product officer, and a chief technology officer. I'm like, yep. wow, you guys have got a lot of chiefs. Is anybody actually doing any work here? <laughs> yes, we're arguing about who the boss is. Exactly. <laughs> well, that shared that shared conference room was really their office. That's all that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It probably was. It definitely, right. actually. I remember that place, <laughs> Russ. You took me there. That place was awesome. You, you, oh, yeah, we did. That's right. That's right. It was right there on University. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was a great place. Uh, on University right. where? In Palo Alto? Yeah. On University Avenue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually helped uh, some friends start a company. We were in the basement. Classic. You know, we're in the basement in a building on University Avenue in Palo Alto. Yep. Nice. We, nice. We were on the same street. Hey, Watching great, people great burritos, fight. great burritos down there. <laughs> right, right across from the Apple Love store. That. Burritos, oh, and, oh, okay. and then we had they had, that place actually had some fantastic coffee. It really did, yeah. And actually, that's right near the Apple store there. In, uh, so what I remember, well. I can't remember the name of the store. Uh, yeah, I do. I just remembered it. Hoya was a place right on the corner across from yeah. the Apple store, and they had this fantastic jalapeno margarita. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that place was a bomb. I mean, every time oh, yeah. I went, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm back in Palo Alto. I got to go there." But I was told Hoya closed, so that's a bomb. Uh, okay. Well, if you're well, in, you know, if I you're mean, into uh, jalapeno margaritas and you happen to go back to Vegas, flaming fajitas have the yeah, have that's true. Fantastic. <laughs> Really? Jalapeno margaritas, yes, fantastic. Uh, I have to go back because my wife's mad because I didn't take her the last time. It was an uh, in and out okay. business trip, and I'm like, okay, honey, we'll go back. So, flaming fajitas, flaming fajitas, yeah, be a sponsor of yeah. the show. I just plugged you. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about you all the time. Flaming fajitas, that place is fantastic. <laughs> well, can, do they deliver for Thanksgiving? I mean, that could solve hey, a problem. Well, you know the what? problem that, is that everything perfect. comes on fire to your table. So if they deliver, that could cause <laughs> some, some major problems on the road. So let, let's maybe they set it on fire when they get to your house. Oh, that would be yeah. Cool. That would be cool. there. You go, Greg. You're a business consultant. Come on, man. We should be really about this. <laughs> I'm not thinking out of the box enough tonight. Yeah, yeah. all of our Make drivers this work. Our drivers carry no cash, but plenty of matches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flamethrowers, just just to get you set up. <laughs> hey, this has right, been guys. a lot no. of fun, Charles. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, same here. You guys are awesome. I love the show. Yeah, thank thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you have a, a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yeah, and I hope your guys' partnership lasts forever and ever. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. I I, I hope it does as well. Uh, as long as he doesn't burn the turkey. Exactly. It, it all depends on next week and how those photos look. <laughs> Although some jalapeno margaritas with turkey. Now, there yes, we go. There you go. Okay. All right. We got a win here. Hey, uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow and all of the information that's provided is opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we're happy to take your, your suggestions, your questions, whatever it is, head over to our website, DIYforbusinesspodcast.com and let us know like what you want on this show and, and we'll make it happen. We thank you again. And, and like this is the time of year for thanks, right? Hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Thank you for subscribing to DIY for Business where you are not alone. 
Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Hi, this is Megan Kane. And this is Jason Zook. And we're the hosts of Psychic Visions Podcast. Have you ever experienced deja vu or wonder what life after death is like? Or maybe you walked into an old building and got goosebumps or chills down your spine. Chances are you're having spiritual experiences without even realizing it. Our show will cover a variety of topics from astral projection to UFOs manifestation to the power of positive thinking and even healing energy if this resonates with you then this is your sign from the universe to check out our show find us where all podcasts are available psychic visions more than meets the eye electric acid electric acid 